You're now listening to the Global Connected Aircraft Podcast, hosted by the editors of the Global Connected Aircraft Summit. You can subscribe to the podcast and make suggestions for topics and guests at gcasummit.com slash podcast. Apple and Android users can also find the podcast on iTunes and Google Play. Welcome to episode five of the Global Connected Aircraft Podcast. I'm your host, Woodrow Bellamy III. And today we're going to, on this episode, continue our recent trend of discussing cybersecurity within commercial aviation and particularly within in-flight internet on today's episode. Our guests on today's episode are two security researchers from a firm called IOActive. They recently published a 70-page report detailing flaws that they discovered and exposed within airplane internet modems and airplane in-flight Wi-Fi access points. Now, this 70-page report also describes how one of the two researchers, his name is Ruben Santamarta, uh, the other researcher's name is Joseph Rodriguez, but Mr. Santamarta actually demonstrated his ability to hack into a live in-flight commercial airplane internet modem. Uh, the passengers on that flight had no idea this was happening. He was able to do this from the ground remotely, um, exposed a flaw within that particular modem's design, which is known as a software backdoor. Uh, now, these backdoors are typically embedded into product designs by companies purposely, but he was able to expose this backdoor. Uh, and he really breaks this down, what a backdoor is, pretty in-depth within his 70-page report, so I won't go too in-depth on that, but we do discuss this within the interview. We also talked to his colleague, Mr. Rodriguez, who was also able to expose flaws within, particularly within in-flight Wi-Fi access points as well. Uh, they detailed this within a 70-page report. They actually presented this to civil aviation regulators, airplane ma internet manufacturers, airplane internet modem suppliers, basically anybody you know within commercial aviation who could be affected by this, they ultimately resolve these flaws. And just to make clear, none of the hacking that occurred involving Mr. Santa Marta or Mr. Rodriguez, which was a demonstration, none of this involved any safety-critical avionics flight control systems, nothing in the cockpit was accessed. Uh, what he demonstrated was his ability to establish a shell presence on a passenger airplane internet modem and actually was able to jump from device to passenger device within the airplane as well. Uh, so we're going to find out all about that within our interview with Ruben Santa Marta and Joseph Rodriguez, who are both cybersecurity researchers from IOActive. Thanks to both of you for joining the Global Connected Aircraft Podcast today. We'll just be talking about the IOActive report that you put out. And if there are any, you know, kind of updates available since then, we can certainly discuss those as well. But if we could start out by having both of you just give your names, titles, background, and sort of what you both do in your work with IOActive. I'm Ruben Santamata. I work as a digital security consultant for IOActive, and I've been working uh, almost seven years. 
in this company, I'm mainly focused on the version engineering, uh, transportation security, embedded security, hardware hacking, that kind of areas. And Joseph? My name is uh, Giuseppe Rodriguez. I'm a senior security consultant in IOAPTIF. As when uh, I mainly work with uh, embedded staff, uh, also with some hardware hacking staff, reverse engineering, web application, mobile applications, whatever it's possible to, to break and work with. Excellent. So we want to get right into this topic with both of you. Could you first just give us a little bit of background about the report that you all published around how you were able to establish a presence on an in-flight commercial aircraft modem. If you could just give some background on that report, what happened with that demonstration and sort of the research that you all recently presented at the Black Hat conference as well? Okay, sure. So in 2017, I, I took a flight from Madrid to uh, Copenhagen. And, uh, well, uh, I was using the Wi-Fi because the, the airline, in this case, Norwegian, uh, is well known for providing uh, free Wi-Fi on board. So I decided to uh, well to take a look at the flight Wi-Fi to see uh, how it was working. Uh, nothing really exciting at uh, the first uh, glance. So um, I started to capture uh, some network traffic, and I discovered some uh, weird issues. Uh, I mean, the first. Um, thing I noticed was that the, uh, the IP that uh, I got assigned to my laptop was uh, a public IP, uh, at least a roundtable IP, and that's, I mean, that's possible, but that's a little bit uh, strange. So after some time capturing traffic, I discovered that random scans from the internet were coming to my uh, laptop and that's uh, where when I noticed that something was really wrong because uh, uh, it basically means that I was um, being accessed by random hosts on the internet and uh, my laptop was connected to the in-flight Wi-Fi going to the internet to a satellite communication channel. So. Okay, let's stop right there. So I just want to make sure we're clear for the audience. When you say... You were capturing network traffic. You were yeah. connected to the in-flight Wi-Fi. Now, how were you capturing this network traffic? Yeah, it's really simple. It's not uh, very um, complicated. Uh, basically, I, I used software which is well known. It's called uh, Wireshark. It's uh, open source. You can uh, download it from the internet. A lot of um, uh, different companies and uh, researchers are using this, um, this software, so it's well known for years. You can just uh, run the software and you start uh, collecting uh, network uh, traffic. Uh, basically, everything that goes over the air in the inside of Wi-Fi. Got it. Okay. So you're on this Norwegian flight, you're capturing network traffic using this open source software, uh, and you notice there's something wrong with the IP address that was assigned to your laptop. Now, when you say that IP address was assigned to your laptop, what does that mean exactly in terms of connecting to the internet? You're saying that's a different IP address from what the in-flight Wi-Fi has, or can you just kind of clarify that? Yes. Usually, uh, in this kind of environment, uh, when you uh, connect to uh, a Wi-Fi, uh, 
you are at home or you are in a coffee shop or any other uh, any other place, when you connect to the Wi-Fi, you usually get a local IP, I mean, an IP uh, that it's not uh, runtable, it's not uh, intended to be accessed uh, directly from the internet. That's the regular uh, scenario we, we usually find. In this case, my IP uh, was uh, a public IP, something that is intended to be accessed uh, from the internet directly. And that, that was the, the weird thing. I mean, sometimes that's possible uh, because you can uh, uh, map uh, different IP ranges to, uh, to other ranges, but something was uh, strange uh, in, in that configuration. And after that um, red flag, I know this this uh, this um, pattern that basically someone was trying to connect to my computer from the internet, and then that that fact clearly shows that there is a problem in the configuration, in the network configuration, because uh, that shouldn't happen. I mean, if you are connected to an to an inflight Wi-Fi, it shouldn't. Uh, someone outside that environment, someone from the internet shouldn't be connecting to, to your uh, computer directly. I mean, mm. and obviously you can connect to the internet, but not in the opposite way. So when I noticed that, uh, for me it was something that uh, really uh, demonstrated that something was wrong. And that's, uh, that's uh, the moment uh, where when I decided to, to investigate further into this I see. And now, so when this flight landed, according to your report, you noticed that the IP addresses assigned to passenger mobile devices appeared to be routable. And now, can you explain to us what a routable IP address is and what happened once the flight landed and, and you kind of moved on into sort of what, what actually brings us here today? Yeah, so basically uh, what we uh, mentioned uh just uh, minutes before, um, basically, if you have a public IP to oversimplify the, the thing, you can be um, potentially you can be accessed uh, from the internet. It's not uh, an internal IP, so uh, as long as you have a public and vulnerable IP, there is a chance that you can be accessed from uh, someone on the internet. That's the environment I, I discovered in, the, in this aircraft. So after landing, I decided to perform a network scan against the IP range of that IP, basically to discover what kind of host I could find, what kind of devices uh, it was possible to locate in that uh, IP range. What I discovered is that uh, the modem, the satellite modem that is uh, deployed on board the aircraft, was exposed to the internet. So I discovered hundreds of uh, these uh, modems exposed to the internet. So it was possible for for anyone to access those satellite modems. And those uh, devices were already um, running in, in flight aircraft. So because once the aircraft is on the ground, the satellite uh, communication uh, device is uh, disabled. So you can uh, you can't uh, access the, the modem. So when you access the the, the, the satellite modem, it means that the aircraft is uh, flying. So that was um, I mean, when I discovered that, 
I was a little bit uh, shocked because I, I didn't expect that. At that moment, um, before um, going further into the research, I decided to start with, uh, the, with uh, the information on gathering uh, stage. Basically, I want you, I want you to uh, collect as much information as possible about uh, that system, about those uh, models, how those models uh, were configured, how was the system uh, working. Everything I could find uh, would be uh, useful for for uh, for researching into these kind of systems. I see. And now this is where it also gets interesting because you mentioned in your report you were able to find a lot of this design of airplane internet modems of in-flight Wi-Fi networks from the internet, right? From news articles, from YouTube videos. Yeah, right. This um, open source intelligence to discover dozens of documents, uh, press releases, videos, manuals, STC uh, uh, licensing requests, that uh, even some um, patents uh, online that uh, provided a lot of useful information to uh, understand the whole picture. I think that that was uh, an inflection point because otherwise uh, you are limited in the kind of um, actions you can perform. Uh, but if you understand the system, if you know uh, what you are looking at, that's very important from the security perspective. I, I discovered uh, articles from the New York Times or press releases that companies um, publish when they uh, win a contract or when the vendors um, want to get the approval of a license from the FCC, they have to provide several documents. So uh, in the end, uh, you can find those documents online. So I think that uh, that's not a problem. I mean, you, I have or I faced some other problems, but in terms of uh, information gathering, I think that uh, there were uh, enough documents to cover everything. Right. Okay. And now, so you get off this Norwegian flight, it piques your curiosity into, you know, the design flaws, let's say, of these airplane internet modems of in-flight Wi-Fi networks, access to the internet on, you know, in-service aircraft. So now take us through the rest of this report where you mentioned you actually, you know, demonstrated the ability to establish what's described as a shell presence on an in-service airplane internet modem. Now, we want to be clear for the audience as well that you didn't access actual, you know, flight control systems, anything safety critical, no avionics. It was just the passenger internet modem that that you demonstrated the ability yeah. to establish a shell presence on. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's important to note that uh, during this research, uh, we didn't access any uh, safety-related uh, device. Everything was related to the passengers and crew communications on the in-flight uh, Wi-Fi. Uh, so there is no safety risk uh, from these devices. Yeah, you are right. I mean, I uh, once I discovered the, the, the modem, and I identified uh, the model of the, of the modem. I managed to find the firmware, which is the software that is running in the modem, online. It wasn't the same, exactly the same firmware, but it was pretty much uh, the, the same uh, version. So I downloaded this firmware, and I reverse image uh, this firmware, which is basically um, 
trying to understand how the, the software works, and I discovered that there was a backdoor, so you can use a certain credentials to get access to that model. That's a problem because once you know those credentials, uh, the user and password, anyone can access those devices. So I tried those uh, credentials and I get up, I got access to, to the to the cell, which basically means I could uh, execute another program. I can uh, read memory or write memory. I can upload a new firmware which uh, contains maybe a malicious uh, functionality. I could do anything I wanted. Now, and, and just want to be clear now, this was a demonstration. Now, how long ago did this occur? And I mean, are you able to, I don't know if you guys are able to say this, but are you able to say what type of aircraft this was? And I, I know the type of modem it was and all of that, but can you take us through those details as well? This uh, modem or this system was um, located or was deployed to uh, different airlines. So there are different aircraft involved. In this case, uh, the aircraft where I tested this, one of the aircraft where I tested this was a Boeing 737. Uh, but uh, as I mentioned before, uh, there were hundreds of systems exposed to the internet. So there were different kind of aircrafts involved. So I don't know um, the extent of, of the exposure. I could verify that at least there were three airlines affected by this, uh, this uh, issue, but I don't really uh, know uh, whether there were more airlines or uh, all the different aircraft that uh, were involved. That, that, that's uh, information I, I, don't, I don't have. Got you. Okay. So now during this demonstration, these are hundreds of in-flight aircraft. Now, when you say you're able to establish a shell presence on the modem, what does that actually give you the ability to do on an actual passenger device connected to that aircraft's mm -hmm. internet network? Okay. So basically, once you compromise the, the modem router, the satellite router, it's like uh, if you compromise your home router, I mean, you can control the communications that are going through that device. If you uh, upload a new firmware, uh, firmware, you can control the websites that the passengers are looking at. You can inject uh, malicious software. You can inject malicious scripts. You can um, collect sensitive information. Any sensitive data that is uh, going through this device can be captured. The interesting part, in addition to um, potentially attacking uh, passenger devices, is that from that device, it is possible to reach other devices that are connected in the same network segment. That's uh, one of the scenarios I elaborated in this research. So what happens if I uh, compromise this model, the, which is called LMDU, and from there, I try to reach all the devices like the antenna control unit or the high-power transceiver. That's uh, one of the scenarios I elaborated in this, uh, in this research. Right. Now, you're saying you're, you were able to jump to other devices, or that's a theoretical... It was, yeah, it was, to, uh, it was possible to reach those devices. I didn't perform any uh, attack. And uh, those devices, but uh, but I uh, I tested 
that it was possible to reach uh, those devices, right? Got it. Okay. So now that you've done this demonstration, you've proven that it is, you know, this is possible. These are, you know, in-service aircraft. You're able to establish a shell presence on airplane internet modems. This occurred in 2018. Now, take us through the, you know, your report goes into extensive what happened after that. You know, you presented these findings to the airlines, the manufacturers, the regulatory authorities. What was kind of the after process of, of the outcome of this? Yes. Lona, I mean, um, when I, uh, I, I confirmed that uh, this, this was a real issue that I was actually practicing on uh, uh, flight aircraft, obviously we, um, we always follow a responsible disclosure. So we uh, contacted uh, all the authorities that should be involved. Uh, first of all, I uh, tried to, to contact uh, Norwegian, and um, I uh, was in contact with the European uh, Aviation Agency. After that, we notified um, the US CERT, and the US CERT uh, got in contact with uh, other airlines that were affected by this issue. And finally, um, it was possible to have contact with Global Eagle, which is the, the company that uh, deploys uh, this kind of, uh, of systems. So it took like, um, I mean, uh, like one month or uh, three weeks since the time I discovered this issue. And when finally someone took it seriously, and just after um, several weeks, uh, this problem was uh, was fixed. I think this uh, this was uh, an interesting disclosure process. Also, it was uh, complex because there were um, different authorities that were involved, uh, different companies. It was uh, really complex in terms of coordination. But uh, I think that in the end, everyone that should be a uh, Aware of this issue was finally uh, contacted, and uh, that's a good thing. I mean, this kind of problems uh, is not something very common. As far as I know, uh, this is the first time that uh, someone discovers uh, exposed aircraft uh, to the internet. So nobody was really prepared to handle this situation. But I think that after all, the the, the outcome is positive. For, for everyone. Okay. And Mr. Rodriguez, we want to get to your, you know, aspect of the research as well. Uh, now, it, later in the IOActive report, it sort of presents your research, which is a little bit different from what Ruben focused on. Can you can you take us through your portion of that IOActive report? Sure. Yeah, my research is about an operating system that is used in several access points. We thought that it could be an interesting target for our research project because one of these affected access points using this operating system is widely used by many airlines around the world to provide the Wi-Fi for the passengers. So, and also this uh, operating system and access point is uh, used in other in several other industries, but now we are focusing in the in the aircraft industry. Now let's so, let's go through that a little bit before you get deeper into it. When you say wireless access points, these wireless access points use an operating system. Just kind of break that down for the audience. What what does all that mean? Yeah. 
Sure. So the access point is, is the physical device that provides the Wi-Fi and the operating system, basically the software that is or, or the firmware like that, that is running inside this device, this uh, access point. We can see the access point as a router, like the router that we have in our homes, which provides also Wi-Fi where we can connect to the Wi-Fi and get internet connection. Got it. Okay. And now your focus within that that whole construct was particularly the commercial aircraft industry. So what what did your you know research around those uh, vulnerable operating systems for access points find particularly for not only you know in-service in aircraft but you know a bunch of un- other industries as well. Sure. So the initial initial idea was to find potential vulnerabilities that could be exploited by an attacker inside an aircraft, for instance, having physical access to the access point, but also having Wi-Fi access. I mean, that the attacker is able to connect to, to the Wi-Fi uh, that the access point, access point provides. Or even remote access, like to other ways, like for instance, Ruben's way, like using the satellite link, because Ruben's research showed that he was able to compromise the satellite modem, but also we think that it should be possible from the satellite model to access to the mentioned access point because uh, we think they, they should be interconnected. So the idea was during this research to find uh, possible vulnerabilities to all these scenarios. And yeah, indeed, uh, we found critical vulnerabilities that might be exploited by an attacker to all these mentioned scenarios. And the impact or implication of these vulnerabilities are basically that the attacker can completely compromise the, the access point and its operating system, which means that all the communications, the passengers' communications, or even the crew, if they are connected to this access point, these communications that are handled by the access point can be easily compromised since the attacker has full access or the attacker has already uh, fully compromised the device. But also, the attacker could launch more efficiently further attacks to, to the clients connected to that, that access point. By clients, I mean like the smartphones, laptops, or whatever is connected to that access point. That's basically the overall idea of the research and the, the results in a, in a high-level perspective. And now, the results of your particular, the aspect of your research, what happened there? Have those vulnerabilities been resolved? And also want to ask, you know, going forward, how can those be addressed? I mean, you know, how, how can these manufacturers ensure that this doesn't occur again? Yes, what we did was we contact with uh, Extreme Networks, which is the current owner of these access points and, and the software, the operating system, so they could fix the found issues. And after some time, they they fixed the issues. So now the companies that uh, are using these access, these access points, what they have to do or they should to do is just to download download those patches and then install or implement those patches in those uh, access points, and then the vulnerabilities should be fixed. Got it. Okay, so now that we have sort of the research out there, you all have done, you know, it's pretty amazing work when you when you think about, especially what Ruben described there, the scenario. Can we say now today, when you get on an airplane today and connect to Wi-Fi, you know, can you both say confidently, 
hey, you know, passengers, now that these vulnerabilities have been resolved, can we say there's nothing really to worry about? There's not, you know, you don't really have to worry about connecting to in-flight Wi-Fi today when you step on an airplane. Well, I think uh, we can say that the vulnerabilities that we discovered and now have been mitigated or have been patched in just uh, research. But there is no way we can uh, say in general terms that uh, probably there is no uh, there is no other vulnerability. There are no other vulnerabilities because uh, well, this is difficult to say. Basically. We discover these kind of issues. We discover uh, those specific vulnerabilities, but it doesn't mean they're uh, now we are safe. I mean, it's a it's a long journey to reach a decent uh, level of security. So um, probably in other airlines or with other devices, uh, we can find uh, similar problems. So we need to uh, to stay vigilant. We need to to keep uh, working on on securing all those devices because otherwise um, we probably will see the same the same problems in the future. I can say that um, we can say uh, we can we can uh, feel secure on safety on on or we can we can feel safe on an aircraft. Also, I would like to add something here because, yeah, as Ruben was saying, it's like we we can't say like okay, the work is done and everything is secure. No, obviously not because, uh, for instance, in, in my case, in this access point, the operating system is huge, and I I spent some time during this research trying to find potential vulnerabilities, and those vulnerabilities should be now fixed, but. Probably there are more vulnerabilities in this operating system because, as I said, I spend some time. I'm not working all my time on, on, on this, which means that other researchers or attackers or whatever or whoever uh, could uh, spend some more time and find more critical vulnerabilities in this access point or in the satellite model that Ruben was working with or other devices. Yeah, and that's important to note. That's exactly why we wanted to do this podcast is because to get the information out there and ensure that, you know, everybody listening is is aware that hey, you know, these were these vulnerabilities were discovered in 2018 and it's it's not something that we can necessarily say, hey, you know, the research is done and and everything's fine and over with. That is a great point. Now, let me ask you guys, what are each of you focusing on right now in your research at IO Active? Are you kind of focusing on other industries or is uh, commercial aviation still something you guys are, are looking at? Well, that's a good question. I really can't really say what the topic we are working on right now, but uh, we can say that uh, the commercial aviation is a uh, complex uh, area and definitely it's very interesting from the security perspective. I'd say that uh, we may uh, see some uh, some additional research in the future coming from from active in this uh, in this topic. Okay. Got it. Well, Mr. Santa Marta, Mr. Rodriguez, thanks for joining us today on the uh, Global Connected Aircraft Podcast. Uh, this was a really informative and educational interview, so we appreciate you all's time today. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. A pleasure.
You're now listening to the Global Connected Aircraft Podcast, hosted by the editors of the Global Connected Aircraft Summit. You can subscribe to the podcast and make suggestions for topics and guests at gcasummit.com slash podcast. Apple and Android users can also find the podcast on iTunes and Google Play. 